Amen. God is good. All the time. Man, how many people right about now, you feel suffocated by these masks that you have to wear all the time. But how many people are grateful that in the presence of God, you don't need to wear a mask? Amen. In the presence of God, you can be yourself. In the presence of God, you can open up your heart and you can open up yourself to his spirit. Now we're in a time where we walk with these, you know, and you have to make sure you're sanitized all the time, that you're cleansed all the time so that you don't get infected. How many people are glad that we have the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us all the time, that keeps us cleansed all the time? Though we fall, he picks up back up. Amen. But this is just a reminder of the times that we live in now, that uh, you were, what, August 23rd. How many people, when January started, you thought this is where you would be in August? How many people, when this thing started in March here in our area, you thought that in August we would still be fully dealing with this thing? And that's just a reminder that we don't always choose what happens to our lives. We don't always choose uh, the circumstances that we live in. You know, it would be fun if you were a kid, no, before you were born, right? If, if they gave you a choice. It would be, it would be nice if, if God Almighty came to you and says, hey, I'm about to allow you to be born. What do you want? And he said, okay, you know what? I will give you the choices, right? If he told you, I would allow you to be wealthy of your life, choice A. Number two, I would allow you to be healthy all of your life. Or number three, you will spend a third of your life paralyzed. You will lose a third of your life. You'll lose your hearing. You will lose sight and you will be powerless for a third of your life. Which option would you choose? The wealth, the health, or being paralyzed for a third of your life. Some people would choose to have wealth because all they want is money. All other people would choose health. Other people would choose popularity. But nobody would choose to be paralyzed for a third of their life. But by not choosing number three, which is paralyzed by a third of your life, you would say no to sleep. We spend a third of your, our lives sleeping, and while we're asleep, we're powerless. We're paralyzed, we can't do nothing, and nowadays we're paranoid because of everything that's going on and it's getting to, to, to our minds. And until the 1950s, they thought that sleep was something almost useless. It was just your body being, being weak, and, and then you lay down and, and, and until you, you get back up, and they didn't think that it did much. But what they found out in recent years is that Falling asleep actually is a very active process. Falling asleep is actually very important. It's very essential for human life. It's essential for your health. It's essential for your quality of life. It's essential for your capacity to, 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 to respond and do. So while you're asleep, they find that your brain regenerates. Your brain creates new pathways and allows you to learn better. If you're a student, you, you, you might have known a, a time where you were studying in, in, in college and, and you're trying to understand, you're trying to understand and you can't understand. And then you would go and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a break. And then you go take, you go, you go lay down, you go to sleep. And guess what? While you're asleep, sometimes the answer comes. If you're a musician or you play video games or whatever it is, you would do, try to learn something new. You're trying to learn this pad, this riff or whatever, and, 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 but you can't. But then you take a break, you go, 
you have a good night of sleep, and then you come back the next day, and out of the blue, it's 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 new, it, 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 it's working. Why is because while you were sleeping, your brain was working. While you were unconscious, your your brain was was working. And I want to talk to you about getting some sleep. Getting some sleep. Not during service. I see Willanda's getting ready. She, she's launching back and getting ready like she's going to take a nap. No, not, not during service. But it is uh, important to understand that right now we're in a time where we feel stuck, right? We feel powerless. There's a crisis out there. Uh, the economy is crashing. Everything is, and we feel powerless. We feel paralyzed. We feel like our lives have been put on hold. Our lives have been paralyzed. But I want to tell you this morning that though our lives feel like they're paralyzed, God is still at work. While we feel like we're stuck, God is in motion and he never stopped working. While we feel like, oh, you know what, this is like, we like a bad nightmare, God is still on the throne and God is still in control. And we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 to 22, Adam, right, it says, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken from the man. He brought her to the man. Adam had a problem when he was in the garden. He, God gave him a job. He was naming all the animals. He said, oh, you, okay, you'll be a giraffe and then you'll be an elephant. And he has dominion over everything. You know, the lions are submitted to him. The tigers are submitted to him. He has dominion over everything. And, and, and he's a very intelligent, right? Because he's naming all the animals. I mean, there are millions of species that we don't even know about. And he's naming all of them. But he, he has a problem because he cannot find a suitable help for him. He, like, he sees the giraffe and says, no, that's not suitable. He sees the, the dog, that's not suitable. He doesn't see what he needs. And when God is about to give him what he needs, God puts him in a deep sleep. God puts him in the deep sleep. Right now, you're in the deep sleep is because God is about to give you what you need. Right now, you're, you feel like you're stuck, but that's because God is about to give you what what, 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 what you, what you need. And, and sometimes we ask ourselves, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to, to function when there's no, nothing to do? How am I supposed to function when there's nothing to do? And, 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 and Jesus Christ, the second Adam, teaches us what we're to do when we face situations that are above our control. And I'm going to ask you to open your books, Bibles with me in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27, and it goes like this. It says, then he got into the boat, talking about Jesus, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked them, rebuked the winds and, and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. 
Touch your neighbor at home and say, what kind of man is this? Keep social distance, but ask a neighbor, what kind of man is this that even the waves and the winds obey him? What kind of man is this that he says something and it happens? What kind of man is this that he is not troubled by the waves and the winds of the sea? And, and so that man, that, that, that God, that's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he tells us, why are you afraid? And so today, we're talking about getting some sleep. First, I want to tell you to stop worrying. Stop worrying about everything. Stop worrying. Yes, when you're sleeping, you're powerless, you're paralyzed. But nowadays, we're too paranoid. Like, we, we are so, we watch the news and it's bad news all the time. We, 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 we see, and we see our close ones, and we see ourselves sometimes affected by this situation. I mean, it's a real situation. It's a hard situation. And, and I can get to your mind and it, 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 it keeps you now that you, so you go to bed, you go to sleep, but you're not even sleeping. You're, you're laying down, but you're awake. You're, 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 you're trying to sleep, but you wake up and you're as, as tired in the morning as when you, you went to bed at night. And that's because you are worrying. You're, you're, you're anxious. Worry is, is defined as give way to anxiety. Or unease, allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And then the B one is a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. And a lot of times we, we create our own problems. Like we, we are so afraid of future future realities, future troubles that we bring them in our today and, and we can sleep. There's a, there's um, a saying that goes something like this. It says, when you worry, you're ruining today's peace with tomorrow's problems. You're ruining today's peace with tomorrow's problems. How many times you're worried and you're afraid about something that hasn't happened yet? You know, there's some tension at work. There's some situation at work. And now you're worried. You're not even at work anymore. You're at home, but you're worried because you know when you're going to step into work all hell is going to break loose. It's going to be bad. You're at work, but there's some situation at home. So now you're not at work anymore. You're at home because you know that when you get home, there's going to be conflict or there's going to be trouble. So now you start worrying about things that are in the future, but you're allowing them to ruin your present and to ruin your peace. And sometimes we think, you know what? If if I was following God, or if that person was following God, they wouldn't go through what they're going through. And a lot of times, how many times you found yourself praying to God and say, "God, why me? God, I'm in this situation. Why me? God, this person is getting on my nerves. Why me? God, I'm broke, and the bank is why me? And, and we we ask ourselves, and we think that maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and we think it's something wrong. But if you look at the disciples. It says, verse 23, then he got on the boat and his disciples followed him. They were following Jesus and they still had trouble. They were following Jesus and they still went in a storm. They were where they were supposed to be, but it was not easy peasy. It was not clear water. They still had to go through some trials. You can be right in the midst of the will of God, but you still go through some trials. You could be right where God wants you and things still go bad in your mind and in your eyes. In this situation, in these times, we ask ourselves, where is God? But God is always where he's always been. He's always on the throne. He's always on the throne. He's always in control. And, and sometimes the things that we go through, though we don't want to go through them, they are still essential. 
They are still essential. It's Tony Evans that says it best. He says, you know what? Nobody likes to eat flour. You don't go home in your cabinet and you take the flour and you start eating the flour. Nobody except a few people go and write, take sugar and you put your thing in sugar and you just eat sugar like this. You don't take a lime and eat a lime like it's an apple. You don't, you don't, you don't take essence and, and you drink essence like it's some uh, Coca-Cola. You, you don't do that. But when you take all of these different pieces and you put them together and you know how to, to, to put them together, that's when you come out with a cake. And then you can eat the cake and, and enjoy the cake. You, you put all those different elements that are individually, they're nasty. Individually, you don't want them. Individually, they're, uh, they're awful. And then you put them in an oven and the heat start pushing and pounding and the heat becomes strong. And then, But that heat is what's necessary to bind everything together. And when it comes out, it comes out in a nice velvet cake. Amen. Hallelujah. Many people are hungry. Amen. But that's how the events of our lives are. You can have an event here and it's bad. You have another event here and it's bad. And all of them, they look nasty. But they all work together, together for the good of God's purpose in your life. And you can be in a situation right now and you're wanting to give up. And you're, you're, you're out of your wit's end and you're done. But understand this, that this is part of God's plan for your life. And then so, so you need to stop. Worrying because God is in control. You stop worrying because God is on the throne. God is in control. And so you ask yourself, you know, how can I do this? And he tells us in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, it says, don't be anxious for anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He says, you know, when you're in those situations, you go to God and you bring it to prayer. And there's a word here that doesn't necessarily make sense. He says, okay, you can go with prayer and petition and we understand that. But he says with thanksgiving. Present your request. So with Thanksgiving. So even though you understand that this is not the best thing or you feel like it's not the best thing, when you trust God, you say, you know what, God, thank you. Still thank you. And it's not necessarily that I give God, I say thanks for this situation, but I give God thanks in this situation because I know that this situation will work for God's purpose. It will work for God's glory. And, and you find yourself, whatever problem that you have, Whatever situation that you have, somebody else wished that they had that problem. You have a car that's Bobota and it's giving you trouble. Somebody wished they had a car. You had a job, you have a job and the boss is getting on your nerve. Somebody wishes they have a job. They wish they had a job with a boss that gets on their nerves. Whatever situation that you're in, somebody wishes that they had that situation. So in every situation, you come and you give thanks to God. You give thanks to God. And, and that could be hard, but he says in verse 8, you know what? Instead of filling your mind with, with all those thoughts, all those negative thoughts all the time, all those anxiety thoughts, you know what? Focus on what is pure, what is noble, what is holy, what is lovely. Focus on the good things. And, and I want to tell you this morning, you stop worrying by lifting up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. See, the... the the apostles in the boat, when they saw Jesus 
shut down the storm. I mean, they're in the storm, and these guys, they're experienced sailors. That's what they do all their lives. They're fishermen. So they're used to going on the open sea and navigating. And now they're in a storm, and that storm is too much for them. Now, you might be as smart as you want. You might be as rich as you want. There's a certain point in your life, you get in a storm, and that storm is too big for you. And they're at that point where that storm is too big for them and say, Jesus, don't you worry, we are perishing. And the verse, the word is perishing, is mean we're being destroyed, like we're going to die. They're going to die. And then they see Jesus, oh man, I can imagine Jesus probably having a nice dream. You know, you ever, somebody ever woke you up and you're having a good dream? And now you're pissed off because they woke you up in that dream and you want to go back to sleep because you want to finish that dream because it was good? Uh, like, oh man, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And, 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 he goes, and, and, and I'm not sure if they said, Jesus saved us because we know you're not going to die. Or he said, save us because we think you're going to die too. Because that, that would not make sense because the storm cannot drown the one who created it. The storm cannot drown Jesus until Jesus has completed his mission. And today I want to tell you that storm cannot drown you until you completed your mission. And then they ask, so they ask and they say, and they say, who is that man? He says, then the men were amazed, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And the psalmist in Psalm 121 tells us what kind of man this is. He says, Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You understand that Christ, when he was walking the earth, he was still the great I am. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And, 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 and he created, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything was created by him. So you see that storm, the winds, they know the voice of their master. They know the voice of the one who created them. They know the voice of, of the one who empowers them. Hebrews says he holds everything by his his power of his word. Everything is holding together. The stars, the, world, the seas, everything, all the ecosystem is holding together with the word of God. Now the apostles, they're in the boat with the very word of God. So that the boat cannot go down because God, God is Jesus is the one that walks on water. So that storm is not going to sink him. And if Jesus is in your heart, if Jesus is on your boat, that storm is not going to sink you. And then he says through the storm, be still. Because he is the maker of heaven and earth. And this is what he says in the rest of, uh, of, the, uh, of the psalm. He will not let your foot slip. He, will not he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I want to tell you this morning, you can go to sleep because he doesn't. You can go to bed. You can relax because God doesn't relax. You can you can take some rest because God is always working on your behalf. You can say, you know what, God? I'm going to take my hands off of this thing and I'm going to put it at your feet and he's going to be working for you. He says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, meaning he is closer to you than your own breath. He is everywhere you go. He is right there with you. He never abandons you. He never forsakes you. He never leaves you behind. You know, in the army, when the fight gets tough, you, you're supposed to go back and get your fallen soldiers. But sometimes that's not possible. God will never leave you behind. There's never, you're never too far that he cannot reach you. You're never too low that he cannot reach down. You're never too high that he cannot re bring you back. You, it, it, it's no problem. It's too big for him. He's that shade right there. And he says, verse six, the sun will not harm you by day. 
nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Now you understand that the sun is who, whatever presides in the day, and the moon is what presides in the night. So I don't care who's on top, if it's the corona or if it's this. If you're in the hand of God, he will protect you. If you're in the hand, I'm not saying you're not going to catch the COVID. I'm not saying that you're not going to go through it. I'm not even saying that you're not going to lose loved one. But through those storms, God is going to be with you. And that's why I want to tell you this morning to lift up your eyes. Stop looking at all those problems and start looking to the cross. Stop looking at, at, at all those crises and start looking to the Christ. He'll stop worrying about everything. And you lift up your eyes to God. You lift up your eyes to, to Christ. And when you lift up your eyes to Christ, then you expect God to act. You expect Jesus Christ to act. You see, the disciples went, verse 25 of our, of our passage says, the disciples went and woke him up and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And it's funny because Jesus, as a profession, he was a carpenter. They were fishermen. So they're used to the sea. So normally, they would be the ones with the expertise to solve that situation. They would be the one to, 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 um, to be able to navigate those waters. But they knew that in Jesus, there was something more. They knew that in Jesus was, was the power. And, and so they were wrong to be afraid, but they were right to go to Christ. They were wrong to be afraid, but they were right to go to Christ. When you have a crisis, when you're going through hard times and, and, and people look to you to solve it, but you don't have solution. People look to you because you're the one that's supposed to have all the answers. But right now you don't have the answers. I want to tell you where you can find the answers. You can find the answers with Christ and you can expect him to act. And you see in, um, in John chapter 11, we have the story where, um, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus died. Mar Mary and Martha's brother, uh, brothers died. And th that family was very close to Christ. They were very close to Jesus. And Jesus loved them. He says, Jesus loved them. How many people know this morning Jesus loves you? Not just as a phrase, but Jesus really loves you. Like he came down and, and went and lived. As, you know, God, you have to understand, Jesus is God. Jesus created everything. But he decided to come in a human body that was human, that was frail. I mean, you do that, how it hurts. You know, he was tired. He was hungry. He went through all of those human situations. He did it not only for all of us, but he did it for you. He did it because he loves you. How many rich people do you know would leave up their riches to come down and be with you? And, that, and that's what he did. And Jesus, so Jesus loved Mary and Martha. He, 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 they were friends. He loved them. And so John 11 verse 3 says, and following says, So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was too, huh? No, no, sorry. I, I think I make a mistake. I think they were trying to say when he heard what was happening to Lazarus, he got up and hurried up and went to the rescue of his friend that he loved, right? No, he says, he stayed where he was two more days. So Lazarus was sick, and then Jesus like, okay, all right, guys, let's go. 
No, no. He takes his time. How many times we, we feel like right about now I'm in this crisis and God, you're, you, it looks like you're taking your time. Right about now, Jesus, hold on, hold. Jesus, I need you to hurry up. I need you to hurry up because this thing is about to break. I need you to step it up, God, because this thing is not happening right now. But he took two more days. Because the situation was not to where it needed to be. And, and, and sometimes, you know, especially Haitians, we... um. We like to blame the devil for a lot of things. You know, we blame the devil for everything. You know, you come home, the, the light, ah, Satan, chasse, we sweet of tenem. No, change the light bulb. You just need to change the light bulb. But sometimes we blame the devil for everything. But sometimes it's God's will. Sometimes that hard time that you're going through, that's lasting longer than you want it to, to last, sometimes it's part of God's will. Sometimes God wants you to go through this. James and Peter says, you know what? Look at those different sufferings, not as a sign of sadness, but as a sign of joy, because in that those suffering, God is doing a transformation in you and bringing you to where you need to be. You know, you don't get gold unless you go through fire. You don't get diamonds unless you go through fire. You're not going to get to where you need to go in your life unless you go through some fire. But look at what he has said before. He says, in verse, in verse 4, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. But as we will see in the rest of the story, Lazarus died. Lazarus died. So what, what, what is Jesus saying? This sickness will not end in death. It, 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 he's saying it's not going to end. It might go through death, but it's not going to end in death. Because where man says it's over, God says I'm just started. When man says I'm done, God says I will continue. When nature says it's over, God says I have the power to bring you back to life. And so we'll see in verse 11. It says, after he has said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now, asleep means he's dead, right? They thought, oh, he's taking a nap. Boy, that means he's going to feel better. No, 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 he's not taking a nap. He's dead. And something in your life right now, they feel asleep. They feel like they're, they're, they're asleep. They feel like they're dead. You're dead. It's dead. You know, you're, you're in a relationship and you feel it's dead. You're, you're, you're in a career and you feel it's dead. You're in a path and you, you're in a country and you feel it's dead. But I want to tell you that Jesus is on his way to wake it up. Jesus says, I'm on my way and I will wake it up. And then it says, verse 35, the shortest verse in the English Bible that says, Jesus wept. So Jesus gets there and, and people are crying and he sees Martha and Mary and he told them, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And they don't understand and they're crying and Jesus wept. And now you understand Christ is that even though he has the power, he also has the compassion. So Christ has the compassion to cry. He has the compassion to weep. He has the compassion. See, he's right there. What, when you're going through troubles, don't think that Christ is away from those troubles. When, for those of you in this crisis, we have a lot of people that have lost loved ones. Don't think that Christ is not in that pain with you. Don't think that he's not going through it. With, he is there and he is weeping with you. When you cry, he cries with you. Shortest verse of the Bible, but powerful verse. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Wept. 
He took part in their pain. He's taking part in your pain this morning. Whatever you're going through, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus knows. The Holy Spirit knows what nobody else knows. When you're on the pillow at night and you're shedding those tears and nobody sees, he sees. When you're in your car and you're driving and you're worshiping and his tears are falling and nobody's noticing, he notices, he knows, he's there, he's, he, he weeps. We serve a God that has compassion. We serve a God that is a loving God. And they said in verse 36, then the Jews said, wow, see how he loved him. Verse 37, but some of them said, hmm, could he not, he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? See, when you're going through something, there's always somebody that got something to say. When you're going through a hardship, there's always somebody that wants to, 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 to run their mouth. They don't know what you're going through. They don't know your situation, but they always have a comment to make. Oh, it, it, oh it, if it was, oh, if a God was real, why is she going through this? Oh, 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 oh is, he, is he the guy that's preaching? Or oh, is it, oh, isn't he a youth leader? Why is he going through this? Oh, oh if his God, what, they're always running their mouth. Always running their mouth. But chill. Because Christ is coming to wake him up. Christ is coming to wake that situation up. And he says in verse 43, says, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out and his hands and feet wrapped with straps of linen and and a cloth around his face. And it's funny because the preachers always say, Jesus was specific. He says, Lazarus, come out. If he would have said, dead, come out, the whole graveyard would have came back to life because that's the kind of power he has. And and all we need, and the Haitian have it right. No, the Haitians, when they pray, they say, bon Dieu, dis un mot. Say, God, say a word. Say a word. If God just says one word, if God just says the word rise, it will rise. If God says the word prosper, you will prosper. If God says the word help, you will have help. All you need from God is one word. It's just God, God, say one word. God, say one word. And in this case, he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out four days. Four days after he was gone. Four days. That means he was already smelling. He says, open the, the thing. And Martha, Martha said, Said, no, 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 master, he's already smelling. He's already smelling. A lot of times God wants to do a miracle. He wants to do something. But we say, oh, no, no, God, it's too late. Oh, God. And then we get in the way of the miracle that God wants to do. How many times you talk to someone and say, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to do this big dream. Why don't you go, oh, and then there's excuses. And it means it's too late. And I want to tell you, in God's economy, it's not too late. In God's economy, it's only too late when he says it's too late. And my personal belief is if you're breathing, then it's not too late. When God is done with you, it takes you home. If you're still here, that means God still has a purpose for you. So it's not too late. So that situation that you're going through, God is going to say, Lazarus, come out. Finances, come out. Relationship, come out. Whatever it is that is dead in your life, God can say, come out. So expect God to act. There's a missionary that says, you need to pray like everything depended on you. And then you need to act. I mean, you need to pray like if everything depended on God. And then you need to act as if everything depended on you. I'm not telling you to be passive, right? But I'm telling you to have faith in God that God will act on your behalf. It's funny because I have, uh, you know, I got Four kids. 
and the last one. Now, now the kids are at the age now in this COVID time where we're working from home. You know, you need to to work, and uh, and it's hard, at least for me, to work with the baby. And, and my daughter, she likes to come sometimes, and, and and she wants says, "Daddy, I want up. Daddy, I want you to pick me up." And I'm like, okay, I will pick you up, but after five o'clock, because I know I'm working, baby girl. And she's like, no, daddy. Okay. And, I, and I try to bribe her, right? Because there's some things that you could do if you know your child. So I try to bribe her. So I say, okay, do you want, she likes her older sister. I said, do you want Abby? No, I don't want Abby. I want you. Do you want mommy? I don't want mommy. I want you. Do you want, uh, I don't want mommy. I want you. And then I go, do you want food? Yeah, I want food. And and then I put it on the food. But sometimes nothing works. Sometimes nothing works. And I can say X, Y, Z. She says, no, I want you. But that's the type of child that we need to be where we say, God, God, you know what? I know all this thing, but I want you. And aren't we grateful that we don't have a five o'clock God? We don't have a six o'clock God. We don't have a clock that gets tied up into work and that says, oh, I will attend to you after work. No, yeah, we have a God that says, I will attend to you now. And when, and then I'm going to tell you as a dad, when your child raises her hand and she says, daddy, I want you, it's something in your heart that tells you I got to pick her up. I got to take her. I got to pick you up. When you go in God, and, I, and that's why I love worship, because worship, you, it's like you're a child and you raise your hand to God. And you say, God, I want you. God, I need you. God, I love you. And you raise your hand and then he's going to come down with his spirit and pick you up like a dad picks it up his child. And then you can rest on the shoulders of your heavenly father because you know he's in control. You know, this is what I love with children. Children, when they come and they're like one year old, two year old, they're not worried about anything. You pick them up, they put their hand and they're falling asleep and they're at peace. They're at peace. And the reason they're at peace is because they know mom and dad are in control. Mom and dad will pay the bills. Mom and I'm going to wake up and she comes, daddy, and now she has a new word. Daddy, I'm so hungry. Daddy, I'm so hungry. And you know what daddy does all the time? Give her food. What mommy does all the time? Give her food. And so we have a God, if you go, God, God, I'm so in need of this. I'm so in need. God, it will have your back. God is a God. He's a father with a mother's heart. He's a father. And, and the way as a father you love your child, God loves us children a thousand times, a million times more. The love of man can never compare to the love of God. So we need to be children that say, no, uh, God, I don't want this. I don't want that. I want you. No, no, I'm not going to be satisfied with this. I'm not going to satisfy with that. I want you. The uh, Moses, Moses said, you know what? I won't go, God, unless you go with me. I will not lead these people unless you come with me. Unless you're the pillar of fire by day in front of night, uh, 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 by night in front of us. We're not going unless you're with us. And we need to be a generation that says, God, no, no, no. I don't want all these other things. I want you. I want you. It's you I want. And you can expect God to act. And then embrace God's will. Sometimes we're in situations and it's not, it's because it's God's will. But sometimes we find ourselves where God told us what to do and we went the other way. God told us what he wanted us to do, but we were afraid to offend people, so we didn't do it. We, God told us what he, we, he wanted us to do, but we were so comfortable in our comfort zone uh, and, and, we, and we, we didn't do, do what we were supposed to do. It's funny because in the Old Testament, there's a story and it almost feels like it's the same story. And it's the story of Jonah, right? Where Jonah finds himself on a boat. Now, Jonah, you will remember, was sent to Nineveh to, to preach the gospel. 
right? God, and, and the thing is with Nineveh, they're the enemies. So, so God did not send Jonah to his friends, the Jews, the Hebrews. He sent them to the enemy and to preach the gospel to the enemy. And Jonah, let's face it, in our current terms, we would say Jonah's a racist. Jonah's a racist. He doesn't want them to live. He wants them to die. He's like, no, God, I want them to die. He says, I'm sending you to Nineveh. And now understand, Nineveh was in Assyria, which was the empire of the time, and they were oppressing people. So they were not a good people. They were not a people deserving of salvation. They were not like a, a godly people that was just unaware. They were evil people. They were mean people. They were bad people. And, and Jonah's like, nah, I ain't going. I don't care. I, I don't. And he grabs a boat, and Nineveh is that way, and he goes to a boat that's going that opposite way. It's like God sending you to preach to wherever, New York, and then you say, nah, I'm going to grab a flight to L.A. Like, I, I'm done. And, he, and Jonah is on the boat, and while he's on the boat, there's a big storm. A big storm rises up. And Jonah, like Jesus, he's at the bottom and he's sleeping. It says, Jonah 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to line the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down. He fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. So it kind of feels like the same way. Like the, the disciples went down to Jesus because they knew he had the answer. They are going down and say, well, maybe that guy has the answer. And then they're going to do the lot. And then the lot is going to show that Jonah is part of the problem. So they're going to go to Jonah and say, Jonah, what's up? What can we do? And, and it's funny because Jonah is a man. He disobeyed God and he's okay with it. He's okay with it. He's done. Jonah is a guy he checked out. He the, the boat is about to sink. Jonah is not worried. He's sleeping. You know why? Because he's okay. He's okay with what's going to happen. He's going to die. And he's okay with dying. He's okay with dying. And, and, and maybe you're here this morning and I want to tell you, maybe you checked out. Maybe you're in a situation and you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready to, to give it up. I'm ready to, to, to give it up. I'm over. You're in a relationship. It's okay. You know what? I'm done. I'm not, you're, you're, you're going through the motions, but you're, you're, you're checked out. You're, you're, you're going to a job and you're going through the motion, but you're checked out. Like you're, you're just collecting the check, right? What happens to the business? You don't care. Like, I don't care what happens. I, I just here because I need the check, right? And you checked out. And, and, and some of you, maybe you, you, you feel like, okay, you know what? I, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm ready to check out with life. I'm, I'm not, I'm done. But I want to tell you this morning, God is not done. God is not done with you. God is not done. So, so those pills, put them aside. Those, those knives, put them aside. God is not done with you yet. God has a purpose for your life still. And you find yourself in this situation. It's a temporary situation. Now, Jonah is, is, is in the boat and he's sleeping. He's sleeping because he's being disobedient. So he's there in the storm out of disobedience. Jesus is in the storm out of obedience. Right, because he came and he came to do the Father's will, and he's there out, out of obedience. And Jonah is in the boat, and he's and the boat's about to sink. And and I guess he has compassion on the others, and he says, "You know what? 
The only way this is going to end, the only way this storm is going to end is if you throw me overboard. Is if you take me, you throw me overboard, and because God's beef is not with you, God's beef is with me. So if you to remove me from the boat, then God's beef is going to move away from the boat. And they're like, no, we don't want to kill a man. We don't want to throw you. But then the storm gets hard, and they're like, okay, well, God, forgive us. And then they throw him overboard. And he's like, see, still to that point, he's like, he's, he's okay. He didn't repent. Notice that he could have repented on the boat. He could have said on the boat, okay, God, I'm sorry. I will go to Nineveh. Once we read Tarshish, I'll come back. No, he says, no, nah, I ain't going. I don't want to go. I'm done. And some of us, we're very stubborn and we persist in our ways. We persist. So God has to bring us to a position where we're powerless and paralyzed. And, and then he takes Jonah and Jonah goes in the water and he thinks it's over. He thinks like he's going to, he probably has assurance of salvation. So he says, okay, you know what, God, we will settle this on the other side. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. We'll settle that on the other side. But God said, well, I'm not ready for you to go. I'm not ready for you to go. So what would have killed other men doesn't kill Jonah because God sent a fish, a big fish, and the fish swallows Jonah. So now, now, I'm not an expert in those, but I'm pretty sure inside here, it's not nice. Inside here, it's not very nice. If you, I know the sun, I don't want to get too gory, but generally what comes out, it's not nice stuff. So Jonah, he finds himself in that position. He finds himself where he's stuck in the belly of the beast. He's stuck in the belly of, of the animal. And, and there, that's when he's like, okay, you know what? God, you win. And sometimes God has to bring us in that place where, where there's nowhere to go. We can, there's nothing to do. Um, especially when, 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 when we feel we're educated. Where especially where we feel where we're strong. We feel that we have resources. And sometimes God needs to bring you to the point where you have no more resources left. You have nothing else that you could use. Because if you're a self-reliant person, you're going to try and try and try and try and try until, you, you know, because you always think there's a way that you can get out. But sometimes God puts you in a corner and there's no way out. There's absolutely nowhere out. There's nowhere to go. And Jonah is in that situation where there's nowhere to go. And then finally, chapter 2 of Jonah, he repents. And the fish spits him out exactly where he needed to be. Close to Nineveh. And then he goes and he preaches to Nineveh. And they repent and they get saved. And Jesus says, like Jonah spent... Three days in the belly of the sea, in the belly of the fish. So the men of God must spend three days in the belly of the earth. And, and Jesus said, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the pressure is starting to rise up, when the pressure of what's about to happen is starting to rise up, and he says, like, you know what, God, Father, if it's possible to take this cup away from me, take it. But then he does what we all should do. He says, you know what, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way be done. And when Jonah said that, the fish spit him out. When Jesus said that, he went to the cross and he died and he went in the earth for three days. And then death could not hold him. It had to spit him out. And Jonah was able to save the Ninevites. Jesus is able to save the whole world. He's able to save the whole world because he embraced the will of God. And imagine the crucifixion. That's not easy. The crucifixion is, is the, when you study capital punishments, our crucifixion is one of the top, if not the top, method of capital punishment. But Jesus embraced that will. There is no resurrection until there's a crucifixion. And we said in the beginning that, you know, Adam, 
God gave him his wife, right? He put him to sleep and, and give him his wife. And in, in the same sense, God put Jesus to sleep, allowed Jesus to die so that he could give him his wife, the church. And when Adam saw his wife Eve sin, she took the fruit and she gave it to him. Adam said he saw her sin and he said, okay, I will die with you. And he ate and they both died. Jesus looked at the church. He looked at humanity and humanity was sinning. And he looked at death and he says, okay, you know what? I'm not going to die with you. I'm going to die for you. And then he gave his life on the cross. And because he gave his life on the cross, now we can all be saved and we can have relationship with, with, with the Father. And, and, and so you don't know what's on the other side of your trial. You don't know what's on the other side of your, of your, of your sleep. You know, you, 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 you're, you're, you feel stuck. You feel powerless. You feel, you, there's nothing you could do, but you need to trust God because God is going to allow that challenge to spit you out exactly where you need to be for the rest of your life, for the challenge that's coming, for, for, for the, for the blessing that God has for you for the rest of your life. And we don't know. Sometimes we go through situations. We don't know why until we're on the other side. So we want to stop worrying. We want to lift up our eyes to God. We want to expect God to act. You want to embrace God's will. But last, I want to tell you, you need to pray. You need to pray. And, and we'll go back to the verse that we read. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So don't, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, it, don't let these thoughts come to you. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with things that present your request to God. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. That tra- which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what I want to tell you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what troubles that you're going through. But bring it to God in prayer. And, and sometimes we bring things to God in prayer in, in two ways. In, in two ways. Sometimes we do that out of lack of faith actually, right? We prayed about it, we prayed about it, but we don't think God heard us and we keep praying because, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm telling you, go to God with confidence that he hears you. Go to God in confidence that, that he's, his ear is right next to you and bring it to him. And right tonight, before you go to bed, bring it to him, bring it to his feet and then ask him, say, God, you know what? Verse seven, send me your peace, which transcends all understanding and let that peace guard my heart. And my mind in Christ Jesus. And then just let it go. Just let it go. Take your chamomile tea if you have to. But then just go to sleep and let go. And let God. Let go and let God. So we're going to close in prayer. But what I'm telling you this morning is. Bring it to God in prayer. We're all going through tough times right now. We're all going through difficult times. But these times they do not take God by surprise. So bring it to him. Bring it to him and let him fill your heart with his peace. And especially, and I want to talk to the people, you, maybe you lost a loved one in this time, whether it's here, Haiti, Canada, wherever they are, and your heart is, is, is in pain. Your heart is in pain. Maybe you, 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 you feel all those news. It's affecting you. It's affecting your heart. And I want to tell you this morning, bring it to God. Bring it to God in prayer and let his presence Fill your heart with peace. Let his presence fill your heart with comfort. You see, there's some pain that you're going through. Humans cannot comfort you, but God can comfort you. So we're going to close in prayer and worship on us, worship team.
And just take this time between you and God to bring your, your, your burdens, bring your sorrows, bring your, that thing that's holding you back, bring it to the feet, and then trust Him. Trust Him to give you His peace, to give you His presence. And after you go through that challenge for a time, the night only lasts for some time, and then joy comes in the morning. Then the night only lasts for a few hours, and then the morning comes. And when you come up on the other side, you're stronger, you're better, you're faster than before. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to lift your name up this morning, God. And we come before you, God. You see all the struggles that we have. You see if it's a health issue. You see if it's a economic issue. You see if it's a relational issue, God. We come and we bring them before you, God. And we trust you, God, that you will take them. You will take them for us, that you will carry our burdens, that you will carry that, 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 that burden for us, like you carried the cross. And God, that you give us that way, God. And then, God, we just want to bring it to you, God. And we ask that in exchange, you give us your peace. We come before you and we ask for your peace. We ask for your presence. And we do that, not because we're worthy, but in Jesus' name.